0: Welcome in Thursday edition here, of the Kill Coin Conversation, and we have a couple of friends on the show. I wouldn't say friends of the show, but people I'm friendly with. Tim Peel, former NHL referee, Troy Robertson, former Billkins basketball player. And you know, you try and get the biggest names, the biggest guests, which sounds like I'm picking apart my guests. No, I love these guys, and I'm saying sometimes we'll get somebody on the show that we don't know that well. But we're interested in having them on, maybe to tell their story or find out more about them. But it's also nice when you have people on that you have a comfort level with. And I think you'll sense that tonight, talking to Troy, talking to Tim Peel. And I wanted to have Peelzy on. Everybody calls him Peelzy. I'm like, I'm not a hockey bro. I can't I can't call him that. Although he insists. But I wanted to have him on because it was that Blues game recently. And Tim Peel's a retired NHL referee, 23 years, officiating professional hockey and we had the blues game recently where the ref on the mic says to the crowd you're not gonna like this but we're not allowing the goal and it was hilarious everybody loved it everybody picked up on it and then tim Peel on twitter said i don't like this at all you can't do this this is not good and everybody's like wait a minute you you're most famous for being on a hot mic (laughs) saying i got to give a penalty here like the hot mic joke was immediate. Everybody kind of brought that up. But he explains it really well, like why you can't have that. Uh, So Peelzy on the show to talk about that, but also really good friends with Kelly Chase. So a little more insight into the battle that Chaser's been uh, dealing with, with leukemia. You heard that interview on Monday night. And I guess uh, Tim Peel will be part of that event, April 5th, Centene Community Ice Center. And I think the example why he would say you can't editorialize as an official. Remember when Charlie Marlowe famously said or wrote Kevin Demoff and under his name it said professional liar, which was hilarious. But the people at Fox 2 said, "Yeah, you just can't do that." And we're like, "Why not? It's funny. Everybody hates the Rams, it's funny." But it does have a slippery slope potentially. If all of a sudden you have people putting under the mayor's name not getting the job done, or an alderman. And under their name it said, terrible alderman. Like, if you allow people to editorialize, you open that door. So I do, even though it's really funny, and I, I really thought it was great that day and people loved it online, and then most people nuked Tim Peel for taking that stance, uh, I do understand. So I guess I've come around a little bit. And then Troy Robertson, former Billigans player, still really passionate about the program, I wanted to have him on. We're not going to dig in on Travis Ford's future. Troy's really close with Coach and the program. That's not a topic he wants to get into publicly. But the reason I wanted him on is because he's heading up the SLU NIL Fund, the Billikins Victory Fund. And we talk about NIL all the time, but I don't know that we really understand it. I don't know if anybody does. And I've been wanting to get some of the particulars. Can a coach write a check? No. Does a player come to the NIL and say, what do you got for me? Do businesses call and say, hey, we're interested in so-and-so doing some commercials? So Troy's going to help explain all of that. We'll get into our conversation with Tim Peel. A little bit later, Brendan Weesey and I are going to break it all down. We've got three basketball games in the books from last night. More losing for Slew and Mizzou. We had... Uh, a Blues loss, more losing for the Blues, although they played better. 3-2, overtime loss in Edmonton. Blues are in a funk. They've lost five of six. The playoff dream may be fading rather fast here in front of our eyes. So, Brendan, I'll chew on all of the topics a little bit later in the show. I want to tell you about Illinois Recovery Center located in Swansea, Illinois. They opened their doors in 2023, and they're doing really important work. What they're doing is helping folks get sober, End the addiction cycle, whether it's drugs or alcohol, people can feel hopeless, like there is no help out there. That's what Illinois Recovery Center is here to do, provide some help and some hope. Awesome staff, great campus, beautiful layout there, the place to go to embrace sobriety, to get your life back on track, whether it's residential or outpatient, all these great treatment programs, a lot of therapy, whether it's group, individual, medical-assisted therapy, safe, inclusive environment. So whether it's a family member, colleague, friend, neighbor, somebody that you know needs help, tell them about Illinois Recovery Center. It's IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. On the line with us, former NHL referee Tim Peel. They call him Peelzy. I can't do it. I'm not a hockey bro. I don't think I'm allowed. I didn't play in the league. Surprising to many of you, I didn't ref in the league. So I don't <laughs> Can I call you Peelzy if I am not if I don't lace him up on a regular basis?
1: Uh, absolutely. I'm insulted that you don't call me Peelzy. Oh, okay. You're the only, the only guy I know that doesn't. Well, okay, I, I I
0: just – I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm not in that club, you know?
1: <laughs> Marty, you're always in the club, brother. You're always in the club. Brother.
0: Well, thank you. I wanted to have you on. I want to give you a hard time. Of course. That's why we're having him on. But Tim Peel refereed for – was it 25 years in the league? 23, 23 yeah. 23 years in the league. You know the game inside now. You know how the league thinks. I thought it was funny the other day when we had the referee at the Blues game. I don't know his name, but he got on the mic and he said, "Okay." And he said, "I know you're not going to like this call, but we're disallowing the goal, or we're allowing them to score, whatever it was." And I thought that's hilarious. You didn't like it, right? Which surprised me.
1: Yeah, I didn't like it, and I didn't think it would blow up the way it did. I think it had. 2.9 2.9 million views on Twitter, which is ridiculous over, over my opinion on, on a ref's call. But I didn't like it, and I'll tell you why. And this is, this is from a guy that's, that's got lots of experience with microphones. So is, I didn't like it because where does it end? So referee tomorrow night in Dallas, a different referee. And so the call against St. Louis was no goal, and that's why he said, you guys aren't going to like this. So what does the referee do tomorrow night in Dallas if it's a call for the home team, the, the Stars, and he get, clicks on his microphone and he says, you're going to like this call. Like, where does it end? You can't, as a, as the league would not like that because that's going to be their stand is, hey, Gary Bettman's going to say to the director of officiating, your guys are there to explain a rule, make the call. Uh, it isn't improv hour. It's not. You know, yuck, yucks. Here it is. Keep a professional, make the call because, like I said, where does it end? You know, all of a sudden another ref tries to up one up him. That's not what the league wants.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I'm probably hypocritical because as soon as Angel Hernandez or any of these umpires in baseball start to hot shot a little bit, I'm annoyed. I'm like, just call the game. And yet, right. and yet with the hockey guy, I'm like, I kind of liked it, but then I also joked and said. What if we did have this in other sports, and then the the umpire gets on the mic and says, "Uh, "The runner's out at third. Not my fault. Your idiot manager decided to bunt there. (laughs) Like you could. You're right. right. It probably is. It could be." A slippery slope, like the NFL right. ref. Uh, we do not have a first down. Tell your coach to start running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> Maybe that would work in like the XFL or the new whatever it's called UFL. Where Correct. do you think? Do you think that the NHL somebody up high then told that referee, "Hey, let's let's not do that."
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. He got a phone call the next day and said, "Hey, it was funny on a one-off basis, uh, but that's not what we want uh, ongoing." um you know he wouldn't have he wouldn't have gotten in a pile of trouble he just would have said hey okay. for whatever reason you 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 got caught in the moment and you decided to say that but that's not what we want going forward. Keep
0: it simple. Now, I know you had your famous hot mic or you didn't think yep. you were being heard. I understand. And then people said, which well, yep. I'm sure I didn't see your responses on X. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. everybody said, you of all people should. <laughs> right. But did you ever say anything on purpose? Like, just kind of like, hey, I got to explain this, folks. Or, I know you're booing me right now, but hold on. Did you ever no. have a moment like that?
1: No, no. You just keep it. You, you keep it uh, to the script. You know, we have no goalie. Uh, no goal because of goaltender interference the goalie was pushed into the net except you know whatever the situation is you just describe the rule and and the reason that you're calling it a certain way and uh you're not there to improv
0: did you get feedback like instantaneously like did you get a report card like hey you missed four calls or hey you had an a plus oh gain? yeah
1: yeah absolutely uh besides the mid season rating that we would get in January every year, we would get critiqued after you know, not after every game because hopefully your games were going very fairly well. But if you you know, it's like a player player gets into a slump for a few days whether he's not feeling well or he's tired and things just aren't going his way and it's the same thing with an official. And uh and so yeah, if you if he if the director of officiating sees that you know you're kind of making making, making mistakes that really aren't uh um no, the norm for you then you'll get a phone call or you'll get an email
0: can you watch other sports without being your kids probably hate it or your wife like without being critical of an umpire or a referee <laughs> like do you watch that part of the game differently
1: not with other sports not with other sports uh i don't with with baseball i don't watch basketball but with baseball and football, uh, I you know, these guys, that's their thats their sport. That's their niche. You know, I, uh, I'm i better off sitting at home uh, watching hockey and not critiquing the officials because I, I'll defend them a lot on social media and say, hey, you know, the game is fast. Players are, are you know, maybe didn't have the perfect sight line, whatever reasons, but I try to explain – I try to explain why a call was missed instead of just saying, yeah, he missed the call.
0: Tim Peel, our guest, 23 years, NHL referee. He's been based in St. Louis for a long time, retired from the league, lives here. You can find him on Snipes and Stripes. He and Jeremy Ronick and I was looking at, I'm always curious, like, what does well? So I will Google, like, most popular sports podcast, most popular football podcast. I typed in hockey podcast, and you guys popped up. You and yeah. Jr. are making some noise, not surprising. You're both opinionated. Uh, give folks an update on the show.
1: Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. You know, I, I've been friends with Jr. for years, and and uh, we were talking back in the last summer and, and came to the the idea, hey, let's do a podcast together. And, and I said to him, what do you want to call it? And he goes, and he away goes, let's call it Snipes and Stripes. He says, I sniped a lot of goals, and you wore the stripes. So that's where we came up with it. And it's been great. Last night we had Chris Chelios on our program, mm. which was fantastic. Because they just, re- you know, he's a legend in, in the game, and uh, certainly a legend in USA Hockey. And and uh, they just retired his jersey in Chicago. And we've had some uh, we've had some interesting characters on. We had Sean Avery, we had the big rig Pat Maroon, Timu Solani, Marty Berger. We've had some really good people on, and and yeah, it's going well. We may, and you know what, Marty, we. It's, maybe it's not important to a lot of people, but but JR and I made a uh, decision when we started doing the podcast early on that we weren't going to swear on it, and, and uh, you know it's pretty tough for for me to tell my kids I'm doing a podcast, but they can't listen to it, and uh, and and so hence we we get a lot, I get a lot of feedback, especially living here in St. Louis. I'll get. Coaches, parents, I like get kids saying, "Yeah, hey, we're you know we were driving to Chicago and we listened to the team, listened to your podcast." So that's kind of fun, you know. It's uh, it's been it's been great.
0: Oh, that's great. I didn't know that because I, I saw I watched the video like early on when you guys were getting started. I would have assumed you guys were potty mouths. I'm sorry. No. Maybe sitting around the no. club. That's different. That's interesting. I think that's smart. There are times in the car when I'm flipping around and a show might get a little adult or something. My kids are like, what are they talking about? I'm like, oh, hold on. Where's the Christian <laughs> channel? Hold on. Hold on. So that that's really interesting. Uh, you guys made that decision. But I'm, I'm thinking, too, when you mentioned this, you were friends with JR. You would have been you know, in the league at the same time. How many guys were you friends with, You're friendly with, but then you still had to make a tough call on them? Was that ever hard?
1: It was hard. You know, I, I remember... Big Walt and I didn't talk for a couple of weeks because uh, because of a game in St. Louis and and uh, you know I yeah, I was wrong but I at the time I snapped at him and I said you're using our friendship to your advantage out here and he got mad and I got mad and we were, happened to be walking out of the building at the same time and he wouldn't talk to me and I wouldn't talk to him and of course we probably went to Obie Clark's a few weeks later and made up and had a beer together but so. It, sometimes it it was tough, but there, if I had to make the call, I'd just look at them and say, "Hey, you know I got to make that call and nine time nine times out of the ten they'd be like, "Yeah, I know, I know so you 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 certainly didn't want it to influence any of your calls, and
0: hopefully it didn't yeah, it does seem like the hockey player, as much as any sport, kind of gets it. Like, all right, yeah, he, or, or like, he, like they'd almost have a confession. Like, Are you gonna call that on me? I did. <laughs> right. I, tri- I tripped him. I right. gotta admit it. Right. I tripped him. All right, but now that you're out of the league, and I give you a hard time, I say, put the phone down when you pick up the Merlot, because then we're gonna start. I know. the midnight. The midnight peelsy tweets. <laughs> get them in trouble. I've been
1: better. Marty, I've been better. I've been okay.
0: good. <laughs> okay, I, I I should commend you because I always raz you about it. But how about <laughs> how about the freedom now, though, to enjoy the game that you grew up playing? You're from Canada. you been around the game. It's got to be a little bit liberating to watch it and root for friends.
1: It is. It, I love it. You know, I've got friends and coaches, and and you know John Cooper and people that are involved in the game and and, uh, and rooting them on and and. You know, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Canada. I grew up a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and and if I happen to say something negative on social media about the Leafs, they're they're right on me. And then I'll tweet out a picture of me in my Toronto Maple Leafs pajamas. When I'm a kid, I'm like, I like I like the Leafs, but my heart now is in St. Louis. I'm a Blues fan. I that's the team that I cheer for, that I want to see do well, and and I'm hoping they can they can make some progress with. Twenty some odd games to go, and hopefully get into the playoffs because it's it it stinks around here in the springtime when when there's no uh, Stanley Cup playoffs going on down the Enterprise.
0: And it's sort of rare where it's back to back. Like if they miss out two in a row, then it's not a blip, then it's a trend. I know you know Army real well. I just right. I think they're in a weird spot right now because they don't feel. No offense to them. They don't feel like cup contenders, although the Cardinals would always argue, just get in, you never know, and maybe Bennington gets hot again. But I also was looking back, and, and this is what happens when I'm sitting at work and if nobody's playing, I was looking at the 2019 roster. And in the moment, right. in the moment you say, oh, we kind of got on a run. I'm glad it happened. But then you look back and say, wait a minute, that team We're really good team. Oh, right. and, and, and really just like I'm, – I'm thinking even like hockey DNA – like Petro, who could be a little pissy and edgy, but that's yep. perfect. He's the captain. Then O'Reilly who is added to there. And Schenner didn't have to be a star, but he brings so many different things to the table. And then you have the enigmatic superstar, Tarasenko, who can disappear but could also just take yep. over if he felt like it. Then you have Piran, who pisses everyone off. And I just started going through. I know. And then there's Maroon, who's just in the way in front. And then Bennington gets hot, and, and you know, Bo Meester's skilled but not, you know, physical. And I was like, you know what? We shouldn't have been – That they just – everything fit. In this group right now, it doesn't all fit together. I don't know what it is. But no, isn't that crazy it, when somebody does win and you look back and you say, oh, my God, the, all those pieces. Even Steen, end I mean, of his I, he, end of his career, correct. but was adding a lot by, again, kind of edgy and pissy.
1: <laughs> Jaden Schwartz. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. You know i watched the oiler game last night with with the blues and bennington i think you know they're talking about if if the, this would happen to be an olympic year that he would be one of the two goalies on the uh on the olympic the canadian olympic team because he he's played extraordinary and a lot of Blues fans are like ah oh, but he has played exceptional this year and it's just a different team they they went from you know, our good buddy Darren Pang uses this expression. They went from big defensemen with long sticks that could keep everybody to the outside with smaller defensemen the last couple of years with shorter sticks and it's easier for them to come down the middle. And you see that success with Vegas last year. Alec Martinez was their shortest defenseman at six foot two. And every other defenseman, six four, six five, Nick Haig was six six. And it's tough to play against and we don't have that team right now that's tough to play against. And um, but you know, Doug Armstrong's a tremendous GM, and and hopefully they can turn it around sooner than
0: later. Yeah, he typically finds guys that we're not talking about. Even when they got Shen, nobody was talking about it. Like, hey, that was a pretty good move there. Was that when right. they, I think they ended up dumping Laterra or something? Anyway, and then they get Buchnevich. Most people in St. Louis didn't know a lot about him. He's a really good player. That was a steal. So he has been good at finding talent, bringing it here. I'm curious, on that overtime goal there, it is Connor McDavid. He's a superstar. And there was a lot of online debate. Did Thomas just kind of give him the Olay and let him by? Did Cairo do enough? What should they have been? And other people argued it to no, They pushed him to the outside. That was their job. Is is there a hockey critique that I should be aware of there? What should they have done?
1: no, I think they're they're absolutely right. A, you don't want to take a penalty against them, and be shorthanded in overtime. And they did the right thing by by driving him wide. But Connor McDavid is just one of those special players. You know, I JR and I happened to be taping our show last night, and JR brought up that he hadn't scored in ten, ten games or or more. And I said, well, I said I bet you he scores tonight in St. Louis, and it wouldn't be surprise me if he had three or four against the Blues because that's the type of player he is. He's just so special. You know, it's Nate McKinnon, it's, it's uh, Connor McDavid. They, you know, we remember that goal a couple of years ago in the playoffs, Nathan McKinnon did in, in, uh, in uh, late in the year going end-to-end. Those players are just special, and, and uh, it's tough to defend against them.
0: All right, you mentioned Toronto earlier. This just amazes me that they haven't won the Cup almost in our lifetime. This is going way back. Isn't that, isn't that hard to believe is is just a legendary franchise? There isn't really even a comp. Like if the Yankees hadn't won since the 60s, that's all we would talk about. I'm guessing in Canada it is a topic all the time.
1: It, it is, especially uh, more so in Toronto than than anywhere else. And it, it, it really is unfathomable that that the Leafs haven't won in 56 years. You know, it's it's just 57 years now by uh, when the spring rolls around. So 1967, I was a year old. That was the last time they won it, and it's just it, it's hard to believe. It's just you can't even. It. it but that's why. When they won two round, or they won the first round last year and got to the second round, because they went 17 years on top of on top of not being able to win the Stanley Cup in 57 years, they also went uh, sorry they went 18 or 20 years without leading up to last year without even getting out of the first round of the playoffs. So when they won in the first round of the playoffs last year, the streets of Toronto were part were. Partying, they were chanting let's we want florida and then florida steamrolled all over them so they it it's a big deal in toronto even if they get out of the first round and if they get into the second round and win that and get on the third round the city will be going crazy but that's a team they've got two of the best players in the world in nylander and matthews and then they've got marner but they don't have the defense they don't have the defense to win a stanley cup this team I would not be surprised at all if they got beaten the first round of the playoffs again. I would be more surprised if they got if they got out, uh, out, of, out of the first round. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they were done after the first round again this
0: year. That's Tim Peel. Snipes and Stripes is the popular podcast talking hockey with Jeremy Roenick. They just had Chris Chelios on. Did you have to tell Chelios, oh, by the way, we don't swear on this show. Do you have to warn your guests?
1: No, no. I think most of them pick up on it. Okay. And a lot of them like it, like uh, you know, when when Burger came on, Marty doesn't do podcasts. You know, he's the vice president of the of the right. New Jersey Devils. He can't be going on these some of these stupid shows. And so, that, so a lot of them like it. And yeah, Chelly was awesome. You know, he's sixty two years old. He looks like a Greek god still. The guy's a stud. You know, he. he I brought up last night. He won a Stanley Cup with Detroit at forty six and a half years old. It's wow. unbelievable. He would ride the bike. He would ride a stationary bike in the sauna or steam room for 45 minutes. He was a workout fanatic.
0: I can't believe they hadn't retired his number. Panger mentioned that last week on the show, and I said, wait a minute. They had I just assumed they already had retired his number.
1: Right. I know. And that was, I think, one of Rocky Wirtz's last uh, dying wishes because, you know, a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people don't, that Chris is from Chicago. He yep. grew up on the south side of Chicago. And, and to, you know, he, you could tell the emotion in his voice. I watched his speech during the ceremony and then last night on the show, how much it meant to him being a kid growing up on the south side of Chicago to now have his jersey hanging from the rafters. It's pretty
0: incredible. Absolutely. And Chelios is going to be in town for that Kelly Chase event, April 5th. We keep mentioning this. want to get people out there. Centene Community Ice Center, Chaser, our guest on Monday, very open, revealing about his battle with leukemia. But the event will have Chelios. How about Belfour in gold? That's going to be the fans oh. are going to go nuts in a fun way with chance of Belfour. And Chaser's got Sean Payton as a coach. This is so weird. He's going to come on the show and talk about their friendship. And I know you know Chaser well. You're like an honorary Blues alum. So this, I'm guessing you'll be out there as well.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to officiate the game. and, and one. Of oh, wait, corners. somebody else to boo. This is awesome. Yes, well, anybody that wants to get one last boo in at me, they can come out and, and support this great cause and great game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Chelios mentioned last night that he's coming in and uh yeah it's going to be a tremendous time and uh you know you did a tremendous job too on fox Two. your interview with chaser was phenomenal uh, i was texting with him this morning he wanted to have lunch and he's in he's in canada right now watching his son luke play and he's a tough we knew he was tough but man oh man i i, I spent a lot of time with him the past few months and he never complains he's just he doesn't even really want to talk about it he's just And it's, but it's tough to see because especially when he was in the hospital and you go in and he's just laying on that bed for, for weeks at a time. And, you know, he's a guy, as you know, Marty, he's got six or 10, you know, different business adventures going on and he's just on the go all the time. And so that was the most difficult part for him, but he's, he's kept an incredible attitude. And I just, I love the guy so much. He's the guy that that I, I tell the story all the time. I said, I didn't know anybody in St. Louis when I moved here in 2001, and Chaser took me under his wing, and he takes me in one day into O.B. Clark's for a beer, and he introduced me to Jimmy O'Brien. So all of a sudden, I know Jimmy and Chaser. Then he takes, then we go to dinner a few nights later having dinner with Tony Sansone, and I said, between Chaser, Tony Sansone, and Jimmy O'Brien, I went from knowing nobody in St. Louis to knowing everybody in St. Louis. So I... I you know, Chaser stood up at my wedding. I He's one of my best friends. I just love the guy.
0: Well, and it's come full circle because all he's ever done is go to hospitals and visit sick people, sick kids. Correct. You know, and now Correct. all of a sudden, and, and it's not irony, it's not surreal, it's just a fact. Like, all of a sudden right. now, people are coming to see him, and it's going to be great. April 5th. My only request for Peelzy, now that I can call him Peelzy because I'm, I'm a hockey bro for a night, is you have to wear a mic so that you can say stupid crap during the game. <laughs> That's my only request.
1: That's funny. We may do that, buddy. Uh, hey,
0: well, thanks for hopping on again. Tim Peel, NHL referee, retired, lives in St. Louis. Find him at Snipes and Stripes with his podcast with Jeremy Roenick. Peelzy, great to talk to you.
1: Thanks, Marty. Always a pleasure, buddy.
0: Can't wait for that event. April 5th, Centene Community Ice Center. It's going to be a ton of fun. Appreciate Peelzy hopping on the show. We're going to talk to Troy Robertson when we come back. City SC is back this Saturday night back at the pitch. They're hosting New York FC back to MLS action, and that means the pitch will be up, running like it always is, but really, really up and running, bumping. Is that what the kids say, bumping? I don't know if you can say it, But the pitch is the great new place right across the street from City Park Athletic Club and Tavern, the place to go to watch soccer. Not just City SC, Champions League, Bundesliga, Premier League. All soccer fans have figured this out. The pitch is the new soccer hangout. Right there on the west side of Union Station, directly across from City Park. Latest creation from Bob and Steve O'Loughlin. This is the awesome spot and a great addition to the soccer scene in St. Louis. If you don't have tickets to City, don't worry about it. Just hang out there. You'll get part of that vibe when the St. Luligans are going around and banging on the drum. You get that whole festive flavor. The place to hang out is The Pitch, or for lunch or happy hour, stop by and see them. Blues game. They're right down the street. They're on Market. How about Saturday? Blues play at, I think, 4 or 5. City plays that night. It's going to be crazy all day, up and down Market Street. Stop by and see them, or go online, thepitch-stl.com. Right now we're talking some Billikins NIL Fund. This is a fascinating topic, and it's not just about SLU. It's really across the country. Everyone's trying to sort through this. And for the Billikins, Troy Robertson, prominent alum, has sort of taken the charge here along with others to set up the Billikins Victory Fund. And I've seen some things on social media, but I didn't really quite understand it. So Troy Robertson on the line. Troy, how are you, my man?
2: I'm great, Martin. Thanks for having me be yeah. prominent alum. Well, wow, that's quite the introduction. Was that, take it,
0: take it? Did I not do it justice? That's fair. You were a uh, conference champion that went to the NCAA tournament back in two thousand, only to face Rick Majerus, Utah Utes, if I'm remembering correctly.
2: Yeah, no, you're correct. No, prominent. You did great. I think you oversold it. I, I don't oversold. Know if I was prominent, but no, yeah, two thousand. Coach Majerus. That was my last game as a Billiken. They beat us by. I don't remember if it was two or three on kind of a late shot at the buzzer from like 35 feet so tough loss but um yeah it was one of those things where who knew that later in life we'd cross paths with coach Majerus
0: yeah how about coach Majerus did you because you're around the program a lot did you spend a ton of time with him much time with him
2: actually you know what I got to know him super well really well there was a period of time his first year where there were just some guys in the team that weren't a great fit if you remember they they actually had like eight or nine scholarship guys one year. And so he got my name through the athletic department, and we would kind of come down some of the alums and run the scout team uh, along with a couple of his grad assistant guys. And so, literally, there was one kind of over Christmas, the two, three weeks when, um, you know, it wasn't super busy for me at work, where I would go to practice every day and run the scout team for him. And then he had this amazing Jedi mind trick where, Like, he would come over after practice and say, hey, you guys want to go get something to eat? And I would say, in my mind, I would say, no, I don't want to, or no, I don't have time. And every day I'd say, sure, coach, let's go. Yeah, let's talk about practice. (laughs) And, you know, four hours later, I'd get out of there. Um, So, no, I spent a ton of time with him, and we got to be pretty close.
0: Did you go to LaRusso's with him? And Chaffetz tells all these stories, too, Dr. Chaffetz, where if you ate with Majerus— he would he would tell them, like, take the menu back, and he'd say, we want one of everything on that table over there. Or, and, or you'd go to Adriana's and have sandwiches. But that's – you're right. Like, what lasted longer, his practices or his lunches?
2: I mean, they were both forever. <laughs> um, but it was just a blast. Yeah, he would get, you know, four appetizers and two entrees, and then he would always get an entree to go after the meal because he'd watch film, you know, at night. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be a whole other segment than me
1: retelling some of
2: my Majeris stories. Oh,
0: yeah, stories. and I've told, and you know, Dave Kaplan out of Chicago, a media guys, was really good friends with him, and then Chaffetz, and I said, one day we're going to do a roundtable or a podcast, just Majeris stories. It might need to be on a podcast because we may not be able to say all of it on radio, just yeah. to be fair. But nonetheless, we're having you on the show. We're not breaking down Travis Ford or the current regime. We know it's a little turbulent right now for SLU, but I do want to talk about the NIL fund. How does it work? Like what are the, like I know coaches can't legally say to a player here, I'll write you a check. It all gets funneled through these either cooperatives or whatever a school sets up. So what are the rules in terms of NIL funds and what you guys are able to do?
2: Well, it's an ever changing landscape. If you would have asked me that question a year ago, as opposed to right now, my answer would be drastically different. Um, part because of some court rulings and part because of the NCAA itself. But essentially our collective, the Billiken Victory Fund, is is an LLC, and we can collect money on behalf of flu student-athletes and then redistribute it. And our donors can take a business deduction because they can use these student-athletes in a marketing campaign or to make an appearance or to sign autographs or put stuff on social media or whatever they want. And so it's no different than hiring a professional athlete in that regard, uh, for marketing purposes. And then we turn around and then redistribute the money to the kids, um, as we see best fit to bring us the best results possible. And then also attract, you know, kids in the portal or recruits, um, and it's important to note that SLU has a Billiken, what's called the Billiken Exchange. And if you don't want to go through the collective, you can just get online at the Billikin Exchange and sign up, and your business can contact any student athlete. You know, primarily it's men's basketball, but it could be soccer, of course, with our great programs, or our baseball team's amazing right now, and do a campaign, you know, with those student athletes. So it doesn't have to flow through us, but typically it does uh, with the bigger donations and just kind of the you know general fundraising
0: okay so a couple of specifics let's say I own Fred's Tires or whatever and I'm a Billiken alum or I just love the program I would contact the Victory Fund and I would say "Hey, I'm going to give you guys x amount of dollars can I have so-and-so come to my daughter's birthday party like do they literally come to you guys and make a specific request or I mean some people could just donate or do most people just donate money and say do it as you see fit
2: yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably three or four categories there, Martin. There are the people that understand that NIL is here to stay and is part of college athletics and just want to see the program across all sports succeed the best they can. So here's a general donation. I don't need anything out of it. Just please attract and keep our talent if this helps. And there's that boat. There is a group of people that think about marketing campaigns and think about appearances and um, you know other ways to promote their business and give the kids some money. And then I think there are other people that are, I would say, a little bit more specific with it. That just say, "Look, I love watching this player play, and I want to make a difference in their life. Can I make a donation, and you make sure it gets redirected to a specific player?" Um, because I think one of the things we found is that if you just give a general donation, even though you you trust our board and, and you know we're working on behalf of the program, but when we say, hey, look, we really need some uh, financial support for this particular player or this particular situation, that people seem to respond a little bit more to the specific ask and just hey give it to our fund and we'll take it from there
0: okay and then can a player in any sport but men's basketball whatever can they come to you guys and say anybody want to talk to me anybody want to pay me like what are they allowed to like advocate and come to you guys and say hey I'm looking for a little something
2: they are um, I mean most of the time it's not the players if you're in the portal or if you're coming in from somewhere else almost always they have an advocate in some cases it's an actual agent in other cases it's a you know a junior college coach or a AAU type coach that really is you know kind of just working on behalf of the player to, to find out what their market value is and then you kind of work with that player um but most of the time once they're at slew it's us trying to work on their behalf to say you know so and so's having a great time what if we paired them up with this company or that company or you know this uh we know this family or this group of people's a big fan of someone could we ask them to support him and then you know give out the financial support in that way
0: but a coach can't say how much you want here's what I isn't what are the rule i'm sure there's plenty of shady in college sports but what are the actual rules like a coach can't make a cash offer is that true
2: yeah so that's so this is one of the things that's literally changed over the last, say, two weeks. So up until two weeks ago, the coach could not say a number. The coach could not quote a number. What you could do is say, you know, hey, you're a point guard that we're really excited about. And you know what? We've had a really good point guard here. His name was Yuri Collins. He did this and he did that. And he received, oh, I don't know about this much money. And you can use it as kind of a template to share with the kid to say, this is what we can do. The coaches are not allowed to say, if you come here, we will give you blank. That's, That's not allowed. And really, even the collectives aren't supposed to do that. We're more paraphrasing. However, and this is a very general comment, the NCAA, which is, you know, kind of under attack in the court system right now, just needs to realize that, Kids aren't going to transfer, sometimes across country, without knowing kind of exactly, like a paraphrase is not necessarily enough to get them to move. I mean, nobody, no adult would switch companies, switch jobs if they said, well, here's about what you get. I mean, people like specific, you know, um, offer letters when they switch jobs. So, and you've seen that in the last week or two. There was a ruling, of course, uh, in Tennessee, where the University of Tennessee, was under uh, investigation by the NCAA and was going to hand out some penalties. Well, they sued, and the judge ordered that now there's a temporary restraining order against the NCAA uh, penalizing collectives, even monitoring them. So now, as it stands, I mean, again, I'm not a lawyer, and probably is cringing listening to me say this, but as it stands now, the collectives are kind of allowed to do what they want in whatever capacity.
0: It is a changing landscape, and I don't know how they fix it because NIL, and I've said this many times on this show, but name, image, likeness. makes so much sense. You're the star quarterback at Mizzou, and instead of getting in trouble like the old days for selling a T-shirt with your name on it, now you can make a little money because you're an established athlete on that particular campus. And now it's all about recruiting. They haven't done anything. Do you think they could ever say the rule is you have to spend one semester at a certain school, at any school, and then you can start cashing checks. Do you think it's too late for that?
2: I think it's too late. I think think capitalism has been totally let out of the box. And to try and pull it back in now is going to be really, really difficult, if not impossible, because there are about 30 states, Martin, where the schools can work on behalf of high school recruits to initiate campaigns and raise money for them before they're actually enrolled at the the university. So if you're a really really good, you know, high school junior high school senior and you're a prominent recruit, schools can go to you in some states and say, hey, here's X for your high school year as long as you come to our school. And, you know, how do you ever pull that kind of incentive back once it's allowed and, and the part that the NCA just didn't anticipate, nor did anyone, was how the the pot of money, essentially free agency for these kids to move different schools. I mean, name, image, and likeness is great when a business uses a student athlete to promote their business and do some marketing. It's good for the kids, good for the business. What they did never anticipate happening was, you know, player A leaving for a different school because they offer them, you know, X plus $100,000 to come to their school versus staying where they are. And and that's the part that's just, uh, to me, that that more than anything has changed college athletics.
0: Yeah, I call it constant free agency. There is no, hey, yeah. it's constant. Uh, Troy Robertson, our guest, prominent SLU alum, and kudos to you and another prominent alum, Ryan Luchtefeld. You and Luck had some fun with this. Having some Billikin players doing commercials for you guys, video bits. They're funny. It's a good way to show the kids' personalities, but also for them uh, to make a little bit of money. I just wonder long term, if you're thinking, you know, who primarily is going to donate are going to be alums. Think of like a Michigan alumni base, huge school. Right. And they're, right. they're, just their vault of alums is going to have X amount of millionaires, X amount of billionaires. And then Gonzaga is not a huge school, so it's going to have way less alums, way less to draw upon. Isn't that at some point going to be – I mean, it's going to be like baseball where we complain about small market teams. It, I just yeah. don't – I don't think it's going to work long term.
2: Well, I think – yeah, I mean, you you, that's, you nailed it there. It's really hard for the smaller – schools to compete with these you know i mean what's mizzou's enrollment are they pushing off 30,000 graduates every year and slu's total capacity is 12,000 you know so it's a very hard and I'm, don't quote me on those numbers i'm just saying that but tongue-in-cheek but it's very hard to compete and the only way to do it really is have a couple of a couple or five or ten or twenty really prominent alum that make big donations that can outpace Some of the bigger schools, maybe they get, you know, a whole bunch of people making $1,000 donations, whereas you get some big fish making really big donations. Or the benefit to SLU is there are great, you know, corporate partners in town where if you can sign up some of your corporate folks, which we're working on, but we haven't quite sealed those deals, um, to where the corporations can get online and go, hey, this makes sense. If St. Louis University athletics is really strong, that's really good for civic progress. It's good attention for the area. You know, it helps St. Louis as a whole. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're, you know, uh, Michigan, these Big Ten schools and Big 12 schools where they just have tons of, of alumni and tons of students, it's 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 hard to keep up. And I think, Martin, that will eventually lead, in my opinion, to some sort of revenue sharing where the schools are going to have to participate they really don't want and this is the part that's changing right now and makes it really hard. The schools I don't think really want the kids to be quote employees because if they're employees then everybody has to get paid and maybe they have to have benefits and maybe there's a union. But if there's some sort of revenue sharing where the schools make, you know, a certain amount of money and can peel that back to to student athletes That makes sense because it's really hard for the boosters to fund this year in and year out when they really don't get any return other than a really competitive, great team that they enjoy. But you don't, unless you do it pure nil, where your business is benefiting. There's not a ton of ROI there.
0: Right, what were you offered by? Did Spoon recruit you or Romar? I'm trying to think when you came in. Was Spoon, Spoon. still there? Did he offer you like a cheeseburger at Humphreys or Clark's? What, is that the extent no. of your offer? <laughs> yeah,
2: you, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, it was a Humphreys double and, you know, a penny pitcher of beer <laughs> on Wednesday night. I mean. Penny if, pitcher if, if,
0: that they weren't allowed to pay for, so you had to provide the penny.
2: <laughs> correct. If, if Ryan Lucktofeld and I went into Spoon and said, Coach, you know, if we're going to play, we really need some money. We would have the door would have hit us in the you know what faster than you could have imagined.
0: Spoonblock, you all got to pay me to keep you on this damn team. Like you should be paying me.
2: You two rockheads, get out of my
0: office! Oh that's my god, now that's another podcast, the Spoon Years. Well, Troy, thanks so much. It was informative, and I think a lot of our listeners, we we talk nil all the time. We don't quite know the parameters, and while still acknowledging that it is a changing landscape, I should throw this at you. One of our sponsors. Is the Missouri Athletic Club and Troy is what I call the mayor of the MAC. The former, you're the president at one. You're on the wall downtown, right? Former president at one point.
2: Uh, I was blessed and grateful enough to yeah to be the president. In 2016, 2017.
0: What does Troy love about the MAC? What does his family enjoy about the MAC? Gosh,
2: you know what? I there's nothing I don't love about the Missouri Athletic Club. It, you know what? It's changed for me after. These years, I joined right out of college in 2001, and I just loved playing pickup basketball and hanging with the guys. And, you know, we'd play and then get dinner and have a beer and watch whatever was on TV. Um, Twenty years later, I still play in the Tuesday night league uh, down there. But but now it's so much more family. I have three kids. Um, we are literally there in some capacity every day. You know, in the summer we're at the pool. My daughter takes tennis lessons, you know, working out. So it, it has so many uses and uh, it's close to our house we just we love the mac and we love all the people there it's great
0: there you go troy robertson for the missouri athletic club two locations downtown west clubhouse mac-stl.org only warning to future members the pool in the summer the kids think that stuff's free they just sign your name all day long right. <laughs> i need right. to get troy's number but hey my man hey thanks so much for hopping on a lot of fun
3: all right mark talk to you soon and we're wrapping it up on this Thursday the Kilcoyne Conversation, joined, as always, by Brendan Weese, sports director at KTRS. And Brendan and I opened the show, and I think I mangled it in terms of explaining it. I said, you know, we, we want to have the biggest names on, but sometimes we just want to have other people. I'm like, wait a minute, that's an insult to Tim Peel and Trey <laughs> Robertson. But what I, what I was trying to say is there are certain guests, if you know them a little bit better, just have more of a rapport and I think people can sense that. So I enjoyed it. Troy was interesting on the NIL. he always interesting on NHL topics. Uh, so hopefully they weren't listening to the opening and they weren't insulted. Brendan, i mangled the clock now and we're up against it. What is, uh, what's on deck tonight?
4: So we will, uh, Ben will be with me here shortly. We'll do some winners and losers, we'll talk some golf with Skip. High school basketball playoffs with uh, with Jim Powers as we're in, into that time of year. In fact, some of the lower classes they've already they've already played sectionals. Our, our guys there at Priory, Bobby Mack, uh, uh, coaching his Ravens to I believe a state quarter appearance uh, earlier this week. So there's a lot of movement on the high school basketball front.
3: Yeah, we had Bobby Mack on. I was afraid we'd give him the jinx. He was going to <laughs> Palmyra. They went on the road and won that game. That's awesome. Uh, I want to get into some city next week. I think quickly on the basketball last night, what stood out to me is Illinois scores like an NBA team. I know they're giving up too many points. They had 105 last night. Big Ten basketball used to be 40 to 38.
4: And I think you can live with the amount of uh, buckets they give up because it just happens in the flow of the game, unlike Mizzou that just they don't guard people. Illinois, it's it's an up-tempo brand of basketball. So in that sense, you want to play probably a little better defense, but I think the way they play, you sort of live with that. Yeah, they, they roll out 100 last night. Terrence Shannon has been, I mean, there was the, the rust for him after missing a month and a half, it lasted like half a game. He looks like the All-American again, and then you can kind you, you slide Damask down to more of that complimentary piece. Coleman Hawkins does everything for that Illinois team, a, a Swiss Army knife. But uh, as we get closer to bracket time here, Martin, we're just about there. Using Illinois and Final Four in the same sentence I don't think is crazy, and I think there'll be reasons to uh, to pump that up a little bit as we get closer to the tournament.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. A lot of different pieces, even Quincy Guerrier, who can disappear in ties, but you got different pieces who can help you out. Dane Danger, still it's my danger. favorite name.
1: Yep.
3: In his middle name is Danger. No, his last <laughs> name
1: <laughs> is Danger. All right, that
3: is uh, Brendan Weesey, sports director at KTRS. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to the Kill Coin Conversation. One of our great sponsors is Altair Travel. When you're making those plans, whether it's domestic or international, business or fun, I guess business could be fun. I don't mean to be rude to the business folks traveling. But whatever your travel needs are, Altair Travel can get you there and make sure you're staying at the right place, that you're having a great experience. It could be a honeymoon, family vacation, a beach vacation, destination holiday. Whatever travel needs you have, talk to the folks at Altair Travel. It's all Altair Travel dot AltairTravel.com. They're right there in Brentwood across the street from O Clark's been there for years. You call them up, set up an appointment, tell them you want to go into that beautiful living room. That's the awesome meeting space that they've created for all your travel needs. There's only one place. It's Altair Travel and Cruises.